Welcome to Reputation Town. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Reputation Town podcast. This is Warren Weeks, and I'm joined, as always, by my formidable co-host, John Paranak. John, how is life going for you in this sweltering heat? It's great. Super hot. Love the summer. <laughs> You're air-conditioned. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's why you love it. Okay, so we have uh, a lot of little stories. There's nothing huge going on this week. Um why don't you kick it off? You, you, you brought up a pretty interesting one. Okay, so, uh, you know, big changes internationally happening this week. Afghanistan, Amer- Americans fully pull out. All the other allies have been out of there already, pretty much. Country falls back to Taliban rule. Um, Taliban takes over the capital city, and one of the first things they do is they pull together a news conference. Who, who would have thunk? Uh, Afghanistan actually has a pretty robust... Um, uh, news uh, ecosystem. If anything has happened over the last 20 years, there's been quite a few journal- journalistic outlets that have been created there. They pulled together a news conference. So Warren, my question to you is, are the Taliban good at PR? Just a, a light question to start <laughs> off with. So you sent me the link. I, I wasn't familiar with it. Um, I And, you know, obviously watching what's been going on there the last little while has been really odd and disturbing and, and enlightening. And so I watched a little bit of it. And my first reaction is these guys seem to be saying like rational things, you know, like what they're saying, if you took it at face value and, and you're right, it was um, a well put together that had, you know, the structure, the mechanisms, the, the messaging, the translators, it was, um, it, w- it was a well run press conference for what it is, given that there's so much turmoil and chaos going on over there. Exactly. Uh, course, it's, it's like all the, it's all the, the, trappings. the trappings of, of it's like Hollywood, right? It's right. like, we're going to, we're going to create, uh, a, uh, a show. Yep. Uh, yep. for people. And it's interesting that, um, and you know, one of the themes we talk about here every week is when you're talking about crisis management, reputation management, that, um, operations, like what you do has to be in lockstep with what you say. So the only way that, that, that this works is if you're, you know, and we bring up Maple Leaf Foods, right? We did the right thing operationally and we did the right thing communications wise. And those things kind of go along a parallel, a parallel path here. What you have is uh, these individuals who are, they appear to be saying the right things with, with a, with a, I, I guess there's an intended effect that they're trying to have, but obviously from an operational standpoint, it, you know, from what we, from what we know, it's, it's anything, but well, and this is a fascinating thing. I think, I think, you know, it just shows you the power of controlling the media, controlling your message right from the get go. I don't, it may not last five minutes with these guys because right. I'm sure they got scores to settle. And, you know, there's already stories, lots of stories about people who have worked with the allies being just outright killed, dragged out of their homes and killed. But, but it shows you the power and this, you know, you look back at all kinds of historical moments where propagandists or others, you know, in, in regimes take advantage of media. And I wonder if, if this is actually another, another example of how the, um, it, it, in these modern times, um, if, if there is a, uh, a shortcoming with the way journalists cover stories like this, mm. we saw that with Trump, where at the beginning of his presidency, there was just like Trump said stuff. It got repeated over and over again across mm. every media outlet. And there was there was there was no filter on 
is this even bullshit or is this like true in the first place? And I wonder if there's a, this is an example, another example of that where Taliban pull together a news conference. Everyone shows up and says, Oh, well this is interesting. They're going to tell us some stuff. And we just like repeat all kinds of stuff like, Oh, well women of course will have, you know, plenty of protections under our new, our new regime. Anyway, I I just think it's an interesting thing that we can keep an eye on, but it just shows the power and importance of, of, um, of, you know, your reputation, the media and how those things all intertwine and, and, uh, controlling it is so important. The big weak link here is social media, right? And so you, you know, unless you are able to lock down all of the media and all of the internet in your country, like they do in China, for example, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to have this really leaky pale where, you know, we're seeing all these stories, we're seeing the videos, we're hearing the stories. And so <clears throat> it makes, it makes what they're saying. It, it takes a lot of credibility away from that. And it just makes them look like, to me, it, it looks like a, like a 1980s attempt at, at public relations, like what it used to be, like when, when we got into mm-hmm. the business, right mm-hmm. back in the nineties, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the problem is that the operations and communications are not in lockstep at all. And so it's interesting to see them do that and do it so quickly. But obviously I think obviously that it's, it's going to be a doomed, a doomed process. Indeed. Mm. All right. Where should we go next? Okay. This is a bit of an old one. Um, I have, do you, are you familiar with Twitter blue? Have you seen what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have it? Uh, I, I looked at it and I thought to myself, I thought to myself, <laughs> I I'm not going to pay four bucks a month to change the color of the logo on the, the okay. app or whatever. There's not really a lot of features that go along with it. Well, I feel, I feel stupid now, but, um, <laughs> I, I took the plunge and for, for anyone who doesn't know, Twitter blue is this like little premium product that they're testing out. And you have the ability to, everyone wants an edit button. They didn't give you that. But what they gave you is you send a tweet from your phone and it gives you like a, I don't know what the delay is, like 10 second, like you see this little timer and you have the ability to go in and take it back and change it before you send it out. So it gives you a little bit of a buffer or grace period before your tweet goes out. That's not so important to me. The one that I love is, and you know, that this is the reason that I bring it up is, you know, when you bookmark something on Twitter right now, it just goes into this big, long list of bookmarks. Yeah. And what Twitter Blue allows you to do is um, you can have folders. And so I'll have one for, you know, articles for my kids or stuff for, you know, my business, um, you know, ideas for talks. And one of them is for this podcast. And so I'll be, <laughs> I'll wake up at like 3.42 in the morning or whatever. <laughs> I doom scroll for 20 minutes just to put lull myself back to sleep. And invariably, I'll see these stories and then I get to pop them into that reputation town folder because otherwise you see these things and they just disappear. And so that I checked out that folder before we chatted today. Sounds like a commercial for Twitter, but it certainly isn't. And that is why I wanted to bring up Bill Gates. So everyone knows Bill Gates. He's the guy uh, putting the 5G chips in everybody with the vaccines (laughs) this summer. (laughs) Uh, Just joking, obviously, to the anti-vaccine group. But he was, you know, a high profile divorce uh, is, is is unfolding right now. And uh, he's sort of been, you know, he's gone down in the news with all the other stuff that's been going on. But there was obviously all those photos with Jeffrey Epstein and the records of him, you know, traveling with him. And so Anderson Cooper was interviewing Bill Gates and he asked him about that relationship in retrospect. Was that a mistake? And so it's uh, the, the clip is less than a minute. And I just wanted to play it. So you can uh, listen for yourselves. You can't see. Well, if you look it up, you could see the video. And I, I'd like to talk with you about his reaction and how he kind of couches all this. Can you explain your relationship with Epstein? Did you have any concerns? Uh, was there ever any concerns you had about it? Oh, certainly. Uh, you know, I had several dinners with him. 
you know, hoping that uh, what he said about getting billions of philanthropy for global health uh, through uh, contacts that he had might emerge. You know, when it looked like that wasn't a real thing, that relationship ended. But it was a huge mistake uh, to spend time with him, to give him the credibility of, you know, being there. There there were lots of others uh, in that same situation, but I I made a uh, mistake. And that's the clip. So you can hear the audio. I'm not sure you could see it, but what what did, what was your take on his uh, the 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 substance of his explanation or kind of apology, whatever that was? So I just listened to it for the first time when he sent it to me before we sat down. My first reaction was, um, he seems a bit nervous <laughs> talking yeah. to the to the question, yeah. but uh, I think from a practical matter is maybe this is the thing he's been sort of dreading having to deal with structurally like he kind of explains the, the context of his relationship or provides some context around the relationship and then says it was a mistake and i think um i think it was the right level of detail for you know anything more and it starts to become like a a bit of swampy mire you're in mm-hmm. um all in all uh i hadn't heard him speak to this yet i thought that was a pretty pretty you know uh, give it a like a B response. Um, um, I'm not sure I haven't do anything else with it, given he just wanted to move on to the next topic. Uh, it doesn't mean it's, it's going to put it put behind him with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what were your thoughts on it? Watching it, it was um, it was interesting. Like this is this is a guy who I've never I don't think I've ever seen him that rattled. And it was a very, it's a very short clip and it could be out of context or whatever. But if you look at it, he's physically fidgeting, like he's in his chair. And when he gets asked the question, he kind of like repositions himself. It sounds uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable. Obviously it's, it's a very uncomfortable and unsavory topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, it was, I think he was aiming for casual, um, and uh, look, you know, what we thought this was and the philanthropy and all these other things. And when it turned out to not be that, yes. So I think the substance and the structure of it as from, from, um, from, from the point of view of an apology, I thought was not, not bad. The, the thing at the end, he and he reminded me a little bit of Ellen when he did this, is he kind of said, you know, like, and there were there were a lot of others. I wasn't the only, mm. there were a lot of other people in here, you know, which is, yeah, it's a tactic, point. right? To kind of like, instead of putting the spotlight on me, like, look, there's a whole bunch of other folks there. And so the implication is, you know, it can be anything from maybe these were some innocent visits to maybe like, you know, we all hear about this crazy island and they're videotaping everybody for extortion and blackmail purposes. Is there a crazy video of Bill Gates? I, I don't know. Um, and the world may never know, but this is, uh, I, I found that interesting. First of all, that he, um, you know, good for him. He went, he went on CNN and, uh, and took the heat. Anderson Cooper does ask some tough questions mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, overall, yeah, I'd say it was probably a B, um, I don't know if, you know, and there were some allegations or, or, or uh, speculation that maybe that, that whole ordeal had something to do with his marriage, you know, dissolving, who knows, who knows, right? It's like mm-hmm. only, only him and his wife would know. But, um, anyway, I just, I, it was, I, I saw that, thought it was curious, wanted to bring it up and get your take. Well, I think, I think, um, it's a great case study and, um, how to, how to manage that, uh, kind of difficult question. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's some analogies we've used over the past few weeks or past few, past few podcasts about other situations where people, you know, over explain and it just gets into like a the burrito, like, the burrito, lady. the burrito lady. Yeah. 
where where it's like you're in the quicksand and all of a sudden oh wait i'm down at my waist and now my neck um versus some other ones so you know what technically i think it was okay but i think you're right in terms of execution he was clearly uncomfortable dealing with this question execution good word to use especially with epstein yeah (laughs) but i'm bummed Okay, do you want to go to, um, just briefly, the guy who photoshopped his face onto Prince William's body? How about this one? Okay, so yes, let's do that. Do you want to explain it? Because you... you... Okay, so I saw this yesterday on Twitter. This is where we get all our great material. And there's someone running, I think it's for the Conservative Party, and some, uh, you know, everyone out there is so eagle-eyed, and they're putting, they're, they're, they're trying to disprove everything, and... It was interesting. So this guy, I am probably going to massacre his name, but it looks like Vahid Seyfay. I think that's what his name is. Uh-huh. I, I apologize if I've messed that up. But I tried to find someone saying his name online in a video, and I couldn't find it. And the last time he tweeted, apparently it was 2014. So he's not super active on social media. Anyway, in his official headshot, you know, when you, you, know, you put your face on those posters and the flyers and everything else, and on the website, he took his head and he photoshopped it onto Prince William's body from a, and they have the two photos side by side. You can find them online. If you just look up the guy's name and Prince William Photoshop and, uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to believe. And you know, who knows? Maybe the guy's like, uh, maybe he's sitting in his basement you know, in track pants and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a work environment because of the pandemic. I don't know. But I found that really, uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell if it's like brilliant or just like completely juvenile that he would do this and then get busted. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what the, what the lesson is here, but like authenticity is pretty important. I'd rather, you know, get out your phone, clear, clear out a room, go out in your yard, put it in portrait mode. So you kind of blur out the background. Like, just let's get a picture of you. We don't need to see Prince William. So, um, Totally agree. And I think actually it's kind of funny that, so the, the, just to be clear, he's running for the People's Party of Canada, which is... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Which is which is like the... Okay. Uh, is, there, is there like a, a... Does anyone know who the Clampets were? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's obviously like a fringe, okay. a fringe... But I think it's kind of funny that um, people think that they can get away with like an amateurish, especially when you're putting yourself in the spotlight. Get wasn't away, even like an amateurish job. job. Wasn't even good. No, it, it was like sticking it's, a big emoji on there. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amateurish. But then if you're going to choose someone to Photoshop your head onto, maybe not yeah. choose like one of the most famous people. in the Exactly. World, yeah. Who like has I, like, you know, millions of people have access to that photo. Choose like a real estate agent from like the suburbs of where you live. You know, yeah. Stick your face on them. This, or, this other, you know, I think uh, other people in suits. <laughs> <laughs> that you could choose <laughs> Sears catalog. Yeah. Like, you know, come on, man, get, get creative. Anyway. So again, I'm not sure what the lesson is there, but like it comes down, you know, authenticity, just be you. I'd rather see. And especially when you're, you're running for an office that first of all, most people are suspicious of politicians and this just adds fuel to the fire. Mm. Right? Like I can't even, can't even use my real body. Good point. Um, okay. We have two, well, I think we have two more, which, uh, which one is going to be a short episode uh, this week. Which one would you like to tee up? Uh, so let's go to, um, okay. So let's go to Sean O'Shea. Okay. Which he I have, which, I have the clip. Do you want me to play it? Uh, yeah, go ahead, please. Why, why don't you set it I'll up, set it up and then, yeah. then I'll, then I'll hit play. So, so Sean O'Shea is, as many people know, is a very formidable journalist. He does a segment on global news called consumer SOS. He's, he's the guy who shows up at your door, um, you know, it's it's the equivalent of uh, 
uh, a no-knock uh, police <laughs> warrant <laughs> uh, search of your house. He just like uh, he he's, he wants obviously the drama on, on camera of uh, surprising someone who uh, who he's got his sights on, and. You know, I had a number of clients who have been the subject of uh, Sean O'Shea's interest in the past, so <laughs> can can certainly speak to his uh, his tenacity and and style as a journalist. Um, but in this case, what happened was the the Conservative Party of Ontario uh, they had a marketing agency that was doing a fundraising, uh, not fundraising, uh, 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 raise kind of fundraising, yeah, kind of fundraising, for like, a, like a donation uh, appeal. Um, to members, but they structured the appeal like it was an invoice, like you owed some money, and and uh, obviously that, that that that's a bit disingenuous uh, to say the least. And uh, and so O'Shea was was trying to get the attention of the marketing agency that was behind these things, and he showed up at their door. And I think this is a clip you're going to play. All right. So you have to picture here's. Uh, you see Sean O'Shea from the back, and he has his mask on. He's wearing a blue shirt, and there's an open door, and there's a woman standing in the door. I don't think she's the one that he's talking to. He's talking to a guy through a door, and uh, there's a paper sign with the name of the company, which is, just side note, is misspelled, which is usually a red flag. Okay, here's the video. Hi, I'm Sean O'Shea, reporter at Global News. I'm trying to find out who's responsible for sending out these fake invoices. What's that? Can you do that? I'm sorry. I, can you come down and talk about it? Go to our website. You have our website. I, I, I need to see somebody on camera here. Please leave our property. I'm sorry? I said, you want to come outside here? through our, our media office, but like, you, cannot, you can't come into an office that you're not, you were, you were invited to. What's your name, sir? So contact our media What's office. your name, sir? Contact our media I'm office. trying to find out who's responsible for sending up these fake invoices to consumers. We'll wait. <laughs> That's the clip. That's great. And and so the next day, Sean O'Shea waited for two and a half hours outside the Conservative Party office to uh, till someone came out and spoke to, spoke with him. Um, and of course, at the end, they apologized, and this is an ongoing thing. But good for him. Good for doing that. I uh, he he's tenacious. I have to say. And if he's shown up on your door, you've probably you kind of probably deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he, my question to you is this. So how how do you how do you manage Sean O'Shea showing up at your door? What what is the right what is the right approach? Okay, so obviously what you heard there, and it, it's I want to I want to make it clear that the guy is saying the guy who we can't see is saying you know you can't come in our office. He's not in the office. He's outside. He's at at the door. Like the door is open, and he's sitting by the side of the door, and he has his microphone stretched in so he can pick up the audio. But he's not actually in the office. So he knows, this guy knows the rules and he knows how to, and I'm sure as this is unfolding, he's like, oh man, this is perfect. This is great. This is like, this is exactly what you want. Someone basically hiding under their desk <laughs> saying, you know, go away. We don't want to, it reminds me of Wendy Mesley, who this like tiny little journalist used to like, I forget the name of the show. Was it Marketplace that she was on? And she would go yeah, and like I think knock so, on yeah. doors and yeah. like she would have these people just shaking in their boots. And so the first way to avoid having Sean O'Shea show up at your office is, you know, treat your customers properly, you know, dot all the I's, cross all the T's. You know, the, the stories that he gets involved in are usually um, multi, there's multi points. So someone brings their car in to get their muffler fixed and then they get their car back and they realize there's like 250 more kilometers on their car than when they dropped it off. And so they go to the place and the owner of the garage 
blows them off and then, you know, they don't get any satisfaction. So then they call Sean O'Shea. So there's, there's usually points along the way to stop him from showing up at your office. But once he does that reaction that you just saw is probably one of the worst because it just, it makes you look guilty. Like you're, you're not willing to come out, have a little discussion with him. Um, I think there's a couple ways to do it. Um, and again, depending on the context, depending on the person, are they media trained? Are they not? I'm guessing maybe they aren't in this case. It's probably just a contractor. It's the last thing they're expecting is for him to show up. Um, I always tell people that when, when you get someone uh, knocking on your door like that, and the old example used to be Wendy Mesley with, you know, marketplace, she's knocking on your door. Um, the stuff that ends up on TV is always when someone has their head stuck through the door and they're like, you know, uh, you know, we're going to call security. You guys shouldn't be in here. And they blur out the face or, you know, you see the person running down the stairs out the back and they jump in their car and they take off. Like that's, that's exciting news. That's great. What's boring news is when someone comes out just very matter of fact, very casually and says, hi, how can I help you? Yeah, I'm uh, Sean O'Shea. I'm here with, you know, like global news and we're, you know, I want to find it. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know you were coming. didn't expect you. Uh, we'd be happy to sit down and have a conversation with you. Um, I'm just in the middle of something right now. There is a Tim Hortons across the street. Would you like to grab a coffee? And I can sit down with you and answer all your questions in about 20 minutes. So Sean O'Shea is probably not going to be pleased with that. But if you give him the... The, the, the promise that you will sit down and answer some of these questions. And, and let's face it, right? If you have caused this confusion and there are probably a lot of senior citizens, you know, I've seen these things like, you know, if I got that, I'd throw it in the garbage. But there are a lot of senior citizens who might be confused by this and might end up paying this bill. And it just, it looks a little, it looks a little weaselly. And this story only makes it worse. So to me, it would be one of those things where you try to buy yourself a little bit of time and then you spend the next 19 and a half minutes trying to get ready, figure out what your message is. You know, maybe you have to pull them back. Maybe you have to issue some sort of apology, may a call, but whatever. But the sitting in the office and kind of crying like a baby or hiding under the bed, I don't think works. <laughs> How about you? Do you have a different approach? No, I think, well, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, there, there's signs that happen. Like this, this never happens where it's out of the blue. Oh, I wasn't expecting him to show up because he is a guarantee. He has already phoned you. He's already emailed you. And... And, and you haven't responded or you've, you know, sort of tried to blow him off in some, some respect. And like, he's not alone. Like there are other journalists that have this kind of, in every media market, there's, there's a Sean O'Shea who, who's a consumer advocate hawk type. Yeah. And Old hawk fights back. Exactly. And, and if you got that email and you haven't responded in a way that is, you know, that you know is going to satisfy them to some extent where you've given them some sort of statement or some sort mm -hmm. of, you know, had a discussion with them that's fulsome enough, you know they're going to show up at your door. Like, you, maybe you don't, though. Maybe you just think, ah, like, no, what's he going to do? Well, that, this is the, this is the, like, you know, just Google the guy's you know. name and there's a whole, <laughs> he does, he does it with everybody. You know, I love the ones where, like, people are, like, literally, like, running away down the street because the best. it's, the best it's you know couldn't you couldn't have written a script that's better for him so so but to your point if you if you get the attention of a journalist like sean o'shea you like you are you are you can't ignore it you can't ignore it you have to engage at some level it doesn't mean necessarily you're always going to sit down for like you know a fireside chat with them but maybe but, a statement but make it boring that's right? right don't give him that that amazing clip of you 
And I've actually seen other ones. Uh, I think this one was from the States where there was a TV crew there knocking on the door. It was like all glass doors. And there's a woman under the desk. And every couple of minutes, she would pop and you see her eyes pop up <laughs> over the desk and she would just go back down. And, and you, you sympathize with these folks a little bit because fight or flight and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, they, they can be kind of funny. And so it'll be interesting. Have you heard anything that has happened with this? Like, have they, have they pulled back on those kind of invoice format things or is this still kind of up in the air? So they, the party apologized and, uh, they, I don't know what they're, if anything they're going to do beyond, beyond that. But, um, Mm -hmm like this is this is a bit of an own goal um you know obviously yeah. at some level there wasn't a proper um oversight and i saw a quote from the premier that he's quote ripping new ones up and down the line <laughs> over this because if i like if i'm him like he's so far removed from this kind of he's running the province right he's not yeah. in the minutia of doing fundraising appeals and and um the fact that he his agenda gets distracted by this kind of you know yeah it's not good issue is is not good so <clears throat> my guess is that there'll be more to come but it just just from a media standpoint it just shows that you got to be prepared really at all times for this kind of stuff uh, especially when you're in the spotlight or close to the spotlight and if you get the if you get the inquiry you cannot ignore it the <laughs> they're, they're, they're one, not though. just like, going to go away you your your ideal goal is to prevent him from showing up at your office. That's right. Give him a phone interview. Give him a one line statement. Yeah. Um, call up a you know a crisis management or a media relations firm. Get a little help. Or if you have you know I'm sure they have you know if they're in the marketing business they must have friends who who are good at this. And so <clears throat> the fact that they were kind of blindsided by that and it's just it's just a bad it's a bad look and it's kind of preventable. Okay. Uh, completely. Completely. Okay. Last one I think unless you have anything else was uh, Mr. Jeopardy. Mike Richards. Uh, okay, so interestingly, since so uh, I, I saw the latest news. Yeah. Okay, so so I guess the the backstory here was, and I I find it kind of weird that he was chosen in the first place, given he's the executive yes. producer of the show, he's the executive yeah. producer of a bunch of other shows, and yeah. then he had to be like the host of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole separate thing, but. Um, came to light after being selected. He had done this podcast, by the way, Warren, I, I think we should delete episodes one through <laughs> whatever this, <laughs> whatever is. this is. Anyway, uh, he had done this <laughs> podcast where he had, he had gone on and like just said awful things about uh, what well, were just, all the things he said? Just list them all out. I can't, I can't list them. I'm all. just I, I can't recall. <laughs> I'm trying to get canceled. I'm man. not going to, I'm not going to fall for that. Um, but, um, uh, uh, but he just like, he's saying stuff about women. He's saying stuff about minorities. Like, like little people, like I, I, some something tells me his ego was perhaps uh, supersized, where he feels like you know he could say all this <laughs> stuff and it didn't matter because it, and you know maybe that has something to well, do with the fact that he was trying to become king of everything. <laughs> it fun like. fact, though, um, I, I was doing some reading on this today. <clears throat> I'd seen this, you know, he's been popping up as a. I thought first of all when I saw Mike Richards, I thought it was Kramer. So apparently people named Mike Richards have problems with uh, racism on, on online, but he, I, I, I looked him up and it, he started out as a comedian. I don't really? know if you knew that. I didn't know that. He started out as a comedian. And so you can, you can see how he would have this, um, you know, mm. rules for a comedian are obviously different than the rules for Jeopardy. Like, the, you know, the role of Alex Trebek in that, 
And he was there for, you know, for years and years and years. And that, like, it's like the Mr. Rogers of game show hosts. And he's squeaky. He's like Michael Landon hosting a game show. And uh, those are those are big and very squeaky white shoes to fill, right? Mm-hmm. And so this guy is a comedian. The podcasts that you're referring to, the ones where they brought up these references, were from 2013 and 2014. So, you know, quite a number of years ago. But, like, really... Um, there's there's no reason for for the stuff that he said pretty pretty uh, offensive in in a bunch of different ways but it just shows you that um there were also some articles about uh, just what you brought up and I don't know if you'd seen this but like why is this guy in the running for like they had all these these potential like Anderson Cooper was there and they had you know LeVar Burton from Star Trek and they had all these uh, Dr. Oz they had these like really heavy hitters trying out for this role and somehow he ends up in the process. And so I read another piece that said that there were some allegations that he had maybe gamed the system because he's executive producer of Jeopardy and continued to be like, even though he's stepping down from the potential host, he's going to continue to be the executive producer, which in the light of everything, people still have some issues with, Mm -hmm. but it's alleged. I don't know if this is true, but what I read is that um, all these potential new hosts went in and did, shows right and they tape them and then they show them to focus group focus audiences but the person who supposedly picked the clips to show the focus audiences was mike richards so they're saying that he might have chosen maybe unflattering or not the most dazzling clips of those different hosts and then put himself in the mix and he's so they're saying that it was kind of like a weasley way that he kind of put injected himself into this process for this uh, for this job wouldn't shock me. Like when I hear that kind of thing in the news, it, t- it says to me, well, like someone doesn't just make that up out of nowhere. Like that, that, that's a, like a, that's a little tip that someone has passed to a journalist who has some sort of inside knowledge of the process that went on. So right. it wouldn't shock me if that was actually the case. Um, but <clears throat> doesn't that scream conflict of interest though? Also oh, completely. It's a total conflict of interest. He shouldn't have been, if you're, if you're, if you're putting yourself in the mix, then you're taking yourself out of the, decision-making process right well i think i think he did step back from it but like it just i don't know i find it in and and that's what happens man icarus you fly a little too close to the sun Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is what can happen sometimes they're going through your seven-year-old podcast and and pulling out these things and so uh his apology was kind of kind of lame Mm -hmm. i was like hey you know sorry like this isn't really who i am and doesn't reflect me or whatever like it was it was pretty like pretty diluted apology well in the minute uh, when I read about it yesterday, the 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 story uh, started. Uh, Jeopardy host Mike Richards apologized again today, and the minute you have to do the second apology, you know yeah. this is not going well. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's a it's a quick trip yeah. from there to you know resigning, and he, he, he should have. Uh, I didn't see his first apology, so I'm not sure how it was inadequate, but. Um, it's at some point you have to realize that you can actually lose a lot more than you were trying to gain by becoming the host too. So, right. you know, it's time to pick your line of retreat and get there quickly so that, uh, you can, you can protect not only yourself, but the, the enterprise <clears throat> that you're representing. Cause, cause it puts more, more at risk. My feeling is this guy had a pretty great life. You know, he had these really sweet jobs behind the scenes, anonymous, you know, rich and anonymous is a great combination. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think again, he, I yeah, go back to Icarus, right? One wanted to go for that. Do, now, do you know, again, fun fact, do you know what Alex Trebek's made per year as the host of Jeopardy? No idea. Guess. Uh, 10 million. 16. Ah, okay. 16 million. 
and you know deserves every penny. Yeah. Um, I you know maybe we have to go back to a Canadian. Maybe we need an, a Canadian host. There's a lot of great people who could uh, who could host that show. That's true. That's and true. now, did you see what Lavar Burton tweeted today? Uh, I saw it tweeted with him in it. That was like a me memeish response. Was that was um, that it, or is that just somebody else responding to it? Like I don't know if this is connected, but usually you know you can kind of like sense these things. So I saw the news that uh, that Mike Richards was. Uh, was you know stepping down or was you know fired or you quit the show or whether he wasn't going to be the host, and then uh, Lavar Burton tweeted something like "Happy Friday, y'all" or something like that. <laughs> so people are saying that he was kind of like pleased that, that that like again maybe he's just having a great Friday, but like I think it's probably connected. Probably it probably is connected. Probably connected. But then again, if the, if this guy's the executive producer of the show, are you helping yourself get on the show? I don't know. <laughs> My guess is. His 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 tenure as executive producer may be at risk too. Maybe like, see that's that's your point. You should just you should have been happy with what you had. You mm-hmm. had a great life. You wanted too much, and now you could end up losing more because of it. Yeah, indeed. Okay, before we go, who would you want to see as maybe or maybe a couple names potential host for Jeopardy? Who do you think we would do a good job of that? Hmm, that's a great question. Well, I I thought the best guy was Ken Jennings. He's funny. He's smart. He's like the is he still the all-time champion or whatever? Uh, I think some someone like maybe eclipsed his his figure, but like he's the superstar of Jeopardy, and he he just looks and seems like a guy who does not have skeletons in the closet. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you know, know when you follow him online on on I follow funny. him on Twitter. He's funny. He's he's got wit. Very he's, engaging. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's got all the things you'd want. Um, what if you had to pick a Canadian? If I had to pick a Canadian, huh? Um. Uh, like maybe Ron McLean. Like, just kidding. Ron McLean. <laughs> uh, Will Arnett. Oh, huh. Interesting. Interesting. Do you listen to Smartless? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's a good podcast. Interesting. Who would you choose? He seems a little, he's, he has a, he's an edge. He has a bit, he's a little, seems a little, you know. Yeah. It's taking the show in a different edgy, direction, a but that's, uh, I'm, the, perhaps that's what I'm secretly trying to do. Huh. Interesting. I like that. What? Uh, okay. Who would you choose? Two names pop up, and I don't know if they make sense. But um, Strombolopoulos. Oh yeah, George okay. Strombolopoulos. I could see him yeah. doing that, and especially as he gets a little older, you know, that elder statesman kind of thing. And Jan Arden. Oh yeah. Okay. Good ones. Eh, I think it might be might be good. Yeah. Who knows? Good ones. I'm not. I don't try. I'm adding much value here to the to the process, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, I, I would I would love to have more examples like, it, you know, if you look at the body of, of these episodes we're putting together, like 98 percent companies and people that have screwed up. I would love to have um, more examples of of people doing it well. You know, I just and, you know, I, you wonder if there's a bias if we're looking more for the like the the, the, the car crashes are much more exciting and attractive. And you, those are the ones that bubble up. It's tough to find examples where um, where these things are handled well. Like maybe part of the reason is that the ones that are handled well don't bubble up and make it into the news a lot of times. Like you know you're able to to make it go away, but it's uh, they seem to be few and far between. Well, I think to your point, like isn't the news media itself structured so that you know yeah bad news. if it bleeds it leads yeah 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 so we don't don't see as many like there there are great examples I think of maybe we should think look try and. Um, 
in some episodes coming up, look for example, we can bring forward a couple of examples of companies and organizations we think are doing a good job of building a reputation, building a profile. We can mm-hmm. have that kind of discussion. Um, I think, uh, I think though that the, uh, to your point, right. Especially when so much is driven by social, um, and, and nowadays, like, I don't know, you may know better than me, but when I, when I think about the way broadcast tends to broadcast, um, story meetings tend to go, it's okay. What's in the paper that morning. Mm-hmm. And, and if you sort of work backwards, often what's in the paper is what's been trending on online three yeah. day, three days before. And so this, um, and the stuff that trends online is going to be typically stuff that's going to be more controversial or dramatic. And so, yeah, you don't get a lot of things going well. Mm. <laughs> let's put that on, let's put that on the front page. Are you going to be buying all your back to school clothes from Ava Lane boutique this year? No, they, they, apparently for some reason I can't even access the website anymore. I think of Chuck, uh, probably once a day. <laughs> that guy. I did I, you a, know what? Uh, I, I just, did, uh, Go ahead. Get a hold of yourself, Chuck. <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that he was such a quivering mass of humanity. And you know what's sad is that like his great, 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 great grandchildren like are going to go online and look him up, and that's the only thing they're going to find. That's like that's that's great granddad Chuck. That's that's his <laughs> ten minutes in the in the sun. Poor poor guy. I feel at some, at some level, he, like when someone's being like flogged publicly, even when it's their own mistake like that. It, it's a, it's a little uh, disconcerting. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So um, I'll uh, make sure to fill up that folder for next week. We'll get some more examples. Maybe we can have a theme show one of these weeks. You know, I think we did, you know, how to prepare for a media interview. We can maybe look at something else. Yeah. Rustle up some more guests. Uh, maybe we get, I'd love to get Sean O'Shea on here. It would be great to talk to him. About <laughs> that would be good. We should ask him. We can ask Sean O'Shea, how do you prevent you from showing up at someone's <laughs> office? And what do you do when you get there? We go right to the horse's mouth. There you go. All right, man. Great show. And uh, we'll do this again next week. Thanks, Warren. Take care. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.